Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to the Brave Church Podcast, and thanks for listening. At the end of this talk, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook or Instagram, where you can get even more connected to what's going on in our community. But most importantly, we hope the following talk inspires you to take your next step in finding or following Jesus. Hey, welcome. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. I love this time of year. Our family loves Christmas. Uh, Yeah, it's true that uh, all of our church offices and all of our work areas were completely flooded. Uh, There was a water pipe that broke sometime on Saturday night. It had 80 pounds of pressure and it was shooting up all night and onto the floor. It went through under all the walls. It was incredible. Um, and so last Sunday, while we were in here for our three gatherings, there were volunteers working behind the scenes, mopping and salvaging everything that they could. I walked into my office. My furniture is stacked up off the floor. The carpet's completely drenched. They're trying hard to get it all mopped up. And I was thinking, you know, after the first flood... When Noah got off the ark, the Bible says he got drunk. I get that now. That was my first impulse. No, no, you don't want to hear that from your pastor. I get that. Stop it. The point is, right, is that stuff happens around the holidays. Stuff that you didn't expect to have happen happens around the holidays. And so today, though, We are so excited. There's a lot of excitement in the room because we're starting an all-new series, The Gospel of Luke. So if you didn't get uh, your programs or your outlines, just raise your hand. The ushers will get those to you because we're going to start with Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. And before we do that, let's pray. Father in heaven, we're so excited about this new series as we study your word through the book of Luke. And we just pray that you'd open our eyes to see things that we haven't seen before, to hear things that we haven't heard before, and to see and hear it all. Amen. Well, whenever we start a new series, we start by giving you an overview of the book, some background, uh, why it's important to read this book, some big picture facts about the book, and then how it speaks to us today. And then we'll end with the three things that Luke wants all of us to know. Are you ready for this? Uh, Give your neighbor a happy slap, okay? No, I didn't mean, no. Why'd you do that? Okay, anyway. (laughs) The first four Gospels of the New Testament are called the biography of Jesus Christ. Luke is the only non-Jew, the Greek, to write a Gospel. He was a well-educated doctor. He probably went to school at Tarsus. In fact, the theologian A.T. Robertson says that Luke, Paul, and Apollos may have been educated together at the same time at the school of Tarsus. They may have all known each other before they began to follow Jesus. Imagine that. Luke, Paul, and Apollos going to the same school before they became Christians. Isn't it fascinating how in our lives that our lives often intersect or pass one another at different times and seasons? Have you ever met someone that maybe you went to high school with or college with, and years later you find out they're now following Christ? Why did Luke write this book? Why is it so important for us to read it? In verses one through three, he writes, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. And then in verse 3, he says, With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, 
I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Now, if you were to put your finger there and follow me over to Acts chapter one, verse one, it says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. So now we know that both of these books are written by the same person, that you've got the gospel of Luke and Luke's sequel, the book of Acts. Now, what's fascinating about the book of Luke is there are 10 whole chapters in the book of Luke that are a collection of 30 different events and stories that are found nowhere else in the Bible. So in verse three, Luke tells us that he's writing to Theophilus. Theophilus literally means God friend or friend of God. So Luke could have been writing to all of us who consider ourselves friends of God, or he was writing to one person named Theophilus that had questions about his faith, like so many of us do, someone with a hope-sized hole in their life that they needed to know if Jesus could fill it. I wonder, what do you put your hope in? What are you hoping for even during this holiday season? In Luke's day, people were losing hope. They were disappointed with their religious leaders. Uh, Their government had let them down. They were being crushed by heavy tax burdens. They They were looking for truth in a world that was filled with deception. When our hope is crushed, when we become... Uh, we become pretty cynical. And I don't know what you've been going through this last year. I don't know what this year has been like for you. For, for us as a family, it's just been a lot of transition in different ways. But sometimes when life hits you pretty hard, our first reaction is there's this kind of cynicism that comes with it. Do you know what that's like? It can kind of creep into your soul when life's been really hard. But Luke, in Luke's day, just like today, people are looking for a safe place to find hope, just like you and I. How do we try to find hope? There's a lot of different ways. Some of us try, we start out by trying to find hope in our financial security. Remember 2008, it was the worst financial collapse since the Great Depression? Or maybe we try to find hope in government and politics, which are are known for their deception and division. Or we try to find hope maybe in our home or in our families. But if we were to get acquainted, a lot of us, we'd say, you know what? My family, it actually wasn't really that healthy. We try to find hope in our career choice that it's going to bring us some kind of security and sense of stability. We try to find hope in our education. You know, I I went to a really good school. I think it was a really good one. This is really going to enhance my life if I go to the right college. We try to find hope in better technology, but we're the first generation to become addicted to it. And the amount of issues and health concerns and studies that are now being done surrounding technology and even our own children and and its influence in their lives is mounting weekly. We try to find hope in family traditions. But let's be honest, though. Sometimes you're the only one doing it, right? (laughs) Relationships, sometimes they just don't work out. We long for security, a sense of safety. Everyone seems to be mounting video cameras in their home these days, right? Our front porches used to be a place where like a friendly neighbor would come over and stop by and ask to borrow a cup of sugar. Now your front porch is under video surveillance. (laughs) Here's what I'd like for you to hear today and at the end of the day, that after you've looked at all of these things in your life, financial security, the government, the programs of the government, your family, your education and technology and so on, there is only one true hope. 
There's only one hope that you can trust your life with for all of eternity, and that hope will never fail you. And so this holiday season, we celebrate because hope is born. And so I want to invite you over these next few Sundays to to let's turn to the Word of God. Let's turn to the original Christmas story together. And during this wonderful month of December, let's be filled with hope. Not, not by our circumstances or what you went through this week, not by whether or not your offices got flooded, not by your expectations being met, not by all the fun and joy that we experience, but let's be anchored together by the true story of hope that's being born. Now, there are three things, three things that Luke wants us to know. You can write this down in your notes. Number one, we can be certain about what Luke wrote. He investigated. He took a long time to get it right. With some blog posts, videos that go viral, or so-called documentaries, you have to ask the question, are all these people doing their research, or are they crafting a narrative in a really compelling way just to get our attention? Is this truth, or is this a well-presented opinion? Many years ago, in my generation, there was a trusted voice on the news. His name was Walter Cronkite, and he anchored the evening news in the 60s and 70s, and he was named the most anchoring the news today. (laughs) But at one point, we did, and his name was Walter Cronkite. How many remember Walter? Well, a lot of you do. I didn't realize there were so many old people that went to our church. (laughs) I know, you've seen videos, right? Luke. Luke wanted us to know that he was very trustworthy, that this whole book is carefully investigated. Luke didn't just throw this together, like throw it up as a blog. He also went back to the very beginning. And Luke says this, he said, I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning. Luke was very thorough. He was a doctor, a man of science, a person who researched everything. Listen to this. This is very interesting. Sir William Ramsey was a professor at the German school of Tübingen, and he once believed a lot of the things that you hear people say, you know, knocking the accuracy of the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so he goes to the Holy Land for himself, and he starts to do archaeological digs based on the book of Luke to disprove the book of Luke. And what he found was is that everything that Luke wrote and said was true. And so he put it all together in a book that you can read called St. Paul the Traveler. And in that book, he quotes, he says this, Luke was not only a good historian, but he was probably the best historian of that day. We have found out through archaeological digs that Luke stated facts about 32 countries, 54 cities, nine islands, and several rulers, and he never makes one mistake. Now, Luke is a book of true history and facts. Some people confuse uh, uneducated people by saying things like Jesus Christ was, was a mythical figure. But the truth is, the story of Jesus is not written as a legend. The story of Jesus is written as history. Witnesses, I investigated the various accounts and I've written them into an orderly account. He says so that we can be certain that these things happen. So either we assume the four New Testament Gospels are historical accounts of the life of Jesus, or it's deliberate lies, but there's no in-between. Luke is writing to anyone who is seeking truth. That's what makes this study that we're beginning so exciting. That's what makes this perhaps the most important book that you'll ever have the opportunity to read. 
Three things that Luke wants us to know. Number one, we can be certain about what Luke wrote. And then number two, we can be reassured in our faith. So for those who may think that Jesus Christ is just a legend and it's undocumented stories, we don't know what Jesus really said or what he really did, how many of you believe with all of your heart that Abraham Lincoln at one time was a president of the United States? Go ahead and raise your hands. Some of you are not raising your hands. That is so awkward. Okay. Uh, how many of you have ever met Abraham Lincoln? Raise your hand. I, I know some of you have. Okay. If you've never met Abraham Lincoln, why do you believe he was once the president of the United States? I mean, how do you know that he wasn't a, uh, a made-up legend or a myth? Well, most of us would start out with something like, well, uh, I was taught this in my American history class that Abraham Lincoln was a historical figure uh, and that there were people that lived during the day of Abraham Lincoln and they saw him uh, do things, they witnessed it, they, they heard him say things, they heard him make speeches, they were eyewitnesses of his life. Some even wrote down stories about what he said and did. They're called uh, biographies, right? And now this is all part of our history. We all believe that Abraham Lincoln uh, lived because of three things. There were eyewitnesses, uh, there was historical material, and there were written accounts of the history. Now, let's go all the way back even further. Uh, we believe that Napoleon and Charlemagne existed for those same reasons. How about Julius Caesar? Well, right around the time of Julius Caesar, there was another individual, historical figure named Jesus Christ. We believe that because there were eyewitnesses, historical material, and written accounts of his life story. That's why we believe that. Did you know that there are more words written about Jesus Christ as a historical figure than any other person on earth? Every philosopher, every historian that's ever written documenting the time frame around 100 AD has included Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is just as real an historical figure as Abraham Lincoln, Napoleon, and Julius Caesar. So no serious scholar of history you know, challenges Jesus Christ. No one thinks he's a, a legend or a myth. That, in fact, that's just a legend or a myth, right, that's put out there. There were literally, think about this, thousands, crowds, thousands of people that witnessed what Jesus said and did. There were thousands that saw him actually perform the miracles, and there were many hundreds of people that saw his resurrected body after he was crucified on the cross. So when someone says, we have no idea what Jesus Christ really taught and what he said, that statement itself is not even logical. If you doubt on the basis of historical evidence that Jesus Christ didn't say and do the things that were written down about him, to say that then logically, we can't know anything from the past. That's why Luke begins with these words in verse one, Luke chapter one. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. What does this all have to do with me. Luke's goal, has this year been a, a difficult time maybe in your walk with following Jesus? 
Or maybe you haven't even made the decision yet to follow him. Has there been some uncertainty and doubt? The whole goal of this book as we read and study through this is to bring certainty to our life. And lastly, number three, we can have hope for tomorrow. You see, the book of Luke announces to us that there is a person in whom you can place your hope in, your life in, and your future in. And Luke chapter two, verse 14, it says, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. For how many Christmases have you heard those words? You've read them on Christmas cards, you've heard them sung. What do they mean? Well, first, let's start with this. What peace on earth is not. It's not political. It's not international world peace. In fact, Jesus himself said that nation will rise against nation. There will be wars. Now, that doesn't mean that we aren't to seek peace or not to be peacemakers. We are. It's not a reference to a psychological peace. Jesus said in Luke 12, do you think I've come to bring peace on earth? No. So what does this mean? What he's talking about is not a peace between us or a peace within us. It's a peace between God and us. And in the first verse of Hark the Herald Angels Sing, it says, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. And there it is, peace on earth. It's mercy mild. It's God and sinners reconciled. It's this kind of peace that is absolute. It's not subjective. It's not mythical. It's objective. And it's something that you have to receive while you're on earth. You can't receive it later. This coming Tuesday, I'm speaking at a funeral for an 18-year-old boy, a teenager. Senior year of high school, he was just killed in a car crash. He received Christ as his savior here at Brave Church two weeks before he died in the car crash. You cannot receive the gospel of peace after your God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. Hope and peace and eternal life is being offered to us now. Every December you hear it year after year after year, the world knows about Christmas. The world knows about the birth of Christ. And following Jesus Christ does bring a tremendous peace in our hearts. To make peace with God, to find his favor, there is only one true hope. And so this month announces every single year, hope is born. And hope is found in making peace with God. Jesus came to earth to seek you, to find you, to save you, and to offer you eternal hope. I wonder, how confident are you in your hope for tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, and on the day that you will eventually pass away? My father-in-law was perfectly healthy this summer, walked every day, kept in shape, juiced, He even went off of his diabetes medication because he was doing so well. And now, just in a few months, he has stage four cancer throughout his entire body, and he's receiving hospice care. But he knows for certain 
where his hope lies, his faith lies. And he has peace, but it's not easy. Death is not easy. Death is not something that that God ever wanted for any one of us. Sin brought death into the world. Things can change so quickly in any one of our lives. As I sat this week in the living room of the two parents that had just lost their teenage son, they said, you know, he used to, he, he just went up those stairs and, and he went into his room and shut the door and it was good night. And now he's gone. There are only three things that last for all of eternity, faith, hope, and love. And this gospel of Luke, this story about a savior being born and coming to us and coming to earth to die for our sins, to save us for all of eternity. Listen, it's been investigated thoroughly and researched thoroughly from the very beginning so that all of us can remove our doubt and move into a place of faith and certainty and hope and love this Christmas. And as we read through this book of of Luke together, I wanna encourage you to picture these scenes that you read, these stories, and let the reality that this is a true story. This, This is who Jesus is. This is how he relates to other people. This is what he said about life. This is what he said about my life. And let it strengthen you in hope today. Would you bow your heads with me? And if you wouldn't mind just to close your eyes, just in reverence to those that are around you, would you prepare your hearts in this moment and listen to these words? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. If it is in your heart this morning to respond to this message, if you've been searching, if you've been processing what it might mean to follow Jesus, and this morning you're ready, I'm not gonna have you stand, I'm not gonna have you come forward, but I wanna give you an opportunity to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ by raising your hand and say, yes, I wanna make peace with God today. Go ahead and respond. Just lift your hands and respond to him, those of you that would like to do that. That's wonderful, that's great. I'm gonna pray for all of you that have raised your hands and then I'm gonna pray for us as a church family. And for those of you that raised your hands, you can make this your prayer as well. I believe that you were born in a manger. I believe that you came and lived among us a sinless life and that you died on the cross for all of my sins, past, present, and future. And that there's nothing more for me to do than to receive your amazing grace and love. And so today I confess you as my Lord and Savior and I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. And today I choose to begin to follow you the rest of my life. Father, I pray for our church family, for those that have been hit pretty hard in different areas of their life. And there's that, there's that low grade cynicism. There's that doubt. There's that sense of uncertainty that, that they're struggling with. It's hard when we face bitterness to become better, but we want to. And Lord, as we read these pages of the Gospel of Luke, 
we pray that you would open our eyes to see what we've not seen before and to hear what we so desperately need to hear, that hope is born. Amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Bay Area, we would love for you to join us at a Sunday gathering in San Ramon. For directions, gathering times, or information about our Brave Kids program, visit us at brave.church. Also, if you want to help support what God is doing through Brave, you can give online to the Brave Foundation at brave.church forward slash foundation.